Tune in to the Return of the Mac podcast Tuesdays and Thursdays at noon on Spotify and Anchor and coming soon to YouTube. So today is the day after Martin Luther King Day. I uh, took the day off yesterday, as did uh, almost everyone, except for people who don't love freedom. Um, And uh, I want to do something special today. Um, I wanted to pay homage um, not only to Dr. King and his legacy, uh, but also to two very important people in my life. Um, when I was a kid, I went, uh, I lived in a very small town in Virginia called Taswell. Many of you know that many people. Anyway, I grew up in this little town in Southwest Virginia called Taswell and, um, very rural, uh, very white, very Southern, not very Southern, but pretty Southern town. Uh, I grew up with a lot of uh, it wasn't necessarily racial tensions, but there was a lot of undertone of racism uh, in growing up in that place. Uh, so there were some tensions, but overall, it was just a ten. It was just a and a, a. It was just an air of people. Certain people are better than other people. And anyway, so there's uh, two people who stand out to me when it comes to thinking about and talking about and remembering what it was that Martin Luther King's dream meant to me. When we were kids in, when I was a kid in Virginia, uh, there was a a uh, community center, what was then a community center. I think it was Carline Community Center, as a matter of fact, at the time. And um, there was, uh, it, it, it was basically an old, the old school when my parents, when well, my mother anyway, went to elementary and middle school, they went to school in this building. Um, and so it was an old school and it had been converted to a kind of a makeshift community center. And so we had, you know, after school care and programs and that sort of thing. And for a while, two people, there were two people who ran that place. Uh, and their names were Johnny and Ethel Viney. And Johnny and Ethel were cousins of mine. Um, I think their Johnny and Ethel, Johnny's dad was uncle's was or Johnny's mother. I think was my grandfather's sister. So we're cousins. And um, and he was met, married to a, a, a lady named Ethel. Um, and they were absolute pillars of the community, and absolute. 100 they they were like the gold standard in terms of people who were looked up to in our communities but Johnny was uh, Johnny to me was like a he was like a hero pilot uh, pirate cowboy I mean he, he embodied all of the all of the things that made uh, a, a cowboy cool and, and and a pirate cool he he did it all uh, and, and I can talk some more about him, but he was so awesome. And then Ethel was this 
very pretty stern lady who had a massive heart. Uh, she had a heart for kids. Um, she had a heart for also um, people becoming their best selves. She had a heart for uh, our, our actually her own, obviously her own people and uh, and Black History. And so every year, Ethel would for a few years until either they got too old. Or at one point they the, the the we lost the community center. It ended up going to the town, and now it's like a daycare. Um, one of my dreams is that that place might actually revert back to the community. But um, every year, Johnny and Ethel, mostly Ethel, would um, organize a Black History Month program. So every year in February. Um, she would organize and we'd put on a black history month program. There was a, there'd be a talent show. There'd be, uh, we'd sing of course the black national anthem and there'd be other things involved in that. And one of the things that would happen is that she would have me at, and I'm like at this time, I'm somewhere between the ages of like eight and 12 or 13 Every single year, Johnny or Ethel would have me to recite the I Have a Dream speech. Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. Um, she would have me stand up there and read it in its entirety from beginning to end. And I, I don't know. I certainly didn't know now, but I mean, certainly didn't know then. But I certainly know now and understand now what that did for me as a kid who, first of all, had low self-esteem. Second of all, had a desire to be seen and had a desire and a natural ability, I see now, to speak and speak well and speak in front of people and all that. And so those two people did a massive amount to... Um, and those, and that experience did a massive amount to shape who I am today and why I continue to like to run my mouth and I, I became a minister and all this stuff. So with all that said, and in the light again of, of Dr. King's, uh, holiday, his birthday, and in light of who Johnny and Ethel were, um, I want to read today in its entirety, the, I have a dream speech. And so um, as I read it, I just, it helps me to think about Johnny and Ethel. It helps me to think about what their legacy was and the fact that as well as their, their kids, April and, and John and geezer uh, that I am as well part of their legacy as well as other people in the community. I'm not the only person that they touched with their love and their uh, affection and their heart for kids and, and, and young people. So with that, having said that, uh, I want to read this speech. I am happy to join with you today in what will go on in history is the greatest demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation. Five score years ago, a great American in whose symbolic shadow we stand today, signed the Emancipation Proclamation. 
This momentous decree became as a great beacon of hope to millions of slaves who had been seared in the flames of withering injustice. It came as a joyous daybreak to end the long night of their captivity. But 100 years later, the colored America is not free. 100 years later, the life of the colored American is still sadly crippled by the monocle of segregation and the chains of discrimination. 100 years later, the colored American lives on a lonely land of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity. 100 years later, the colored American is still languishing in the corners of American society and finds himself in exile in his own land. So we have come here today to dramatize a shameful condition. In a sense, we have come to our nation's capital to cash a check. When the architects of our great republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. This note was a promise that all men, yes, black men as well as white men, would be guaranteed the inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is obvious today that America has defaulted on this promissory note insofar as her citizens of color are concerned. Instead of honoring this sacred obligation, America has given its colored people a bad check, a check that has come back marked insufficient funds. But we refuse to believe that the bank of justice is bankrupt. We refuse to believe that there are insufficient funds in the great vaults of opportunity of this nation. So we have come to cash this check, a check that will give us on demand the riches of freedom and security of justice. We have also come to this hallowed spot to remind America of the fierce urgency of now. This is not time to engage in the luxury of cooling off or taking the tranquilizing drug of gradualism. Now is the time to make real the promise of democracy. Now is the time to rise from the dark and desolate valley of segregation to the sunlit palace of racial justice. Now is the time to lift our nation from the quicksand of racial injustice to the solid rock of brotherhood. Now is the time to make justice a reality to all of God's children. I would be fatal for the nation to overlook the urgency of the moment and to underestimate the determinations of its colored citizens. This sweltering summer of the colored people's legitimate discontent will not pass until there is an invigorating autumn of freedom and equality. 1963 is not an end, but a beginning. Those who hope that the colored Americans need to blow off steam and will now be content will have a rude awakening if the nation returns to business as usual. There will be neither rest nor tranquility in America until the colored citizen is granted his citizenship rights. 
The whirlwinds of revolt will continue to shake the foundations of our nation until the bright day of justice emerges. We can never be satisfied as long as our bodies, heavy with the fatigue of travel, cannot gain lodging in the motels of the highways and hotels of the cities. We cannot be satisfied as long as the colored people's as long as the colored person's basic mobility is a is from a smaller ghetto to a larger one. We can never be satisfied as long as our children are stripped of their selfhood and robbed of their dignity by signs stating for white only. We cannot be satisfied as long as a colored person in Mississippi cannot vote and a colored person in New York believes he has nothing for which to vote. No, no, we are not satisfied and we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. I am not unmindful that some of you have come here out of your trials and tribulations. Some of you have come from areas where your quest for freedom left you battered by storms of persecutions and staggered by the winds of police brutality. You have been the veterans of creative suffering. Continue to work with the faith that unearned suffering is redemptive. Go back to Mississippi, go back to Alabama, go back to South Carolina, go back to Georgia, go back to Louisiana, go back to the slums and ghettos of our modern cities, knowing that somehow this situation can be changed. Let us not wallow in the valley of, dis of despair. I say to you, my friends, we have difficulties of today and tomorrow. I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day out, of the, out in the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day, even in the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children one day will live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama with its vicious racist, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification that one day right down in Alabama, little black boys and little black girls will be able to join hands with little white girls and little white boys as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be engulfed, every hill shall be exalted, and every mountain shall be laid low. The rough places will be made plains, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is the faith that I will go back to the south with. This is the faith we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. 
With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to climb up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. This will be the day when all of God's children will be able to sing with new meaning, my country tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride, from every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring for the mountaintops of New Hampshire. Let freedom ring from the mighty mountains of New York. Let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from every hill and mohill of Mississippi and every mountainside. When we let freedom ring, when we let it ring from every tenement and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Happy birthday, Dr. King. And Johnny and Ethel, I hope I did you proud. Thank you for listening to the Return of the Mac podcast. I am Jay Mac, the Mac and Return of the Mac. New episodes are going to be up again Tuesdays and Thursdays on Spotify. I'm coming soon to YouTube as well. And I just thank you for listening. Have a great day. <laughs>